0: Today's podcast is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so you can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and many more, and you can make money from your podcasts. It's everything you need to do to make a podcast in one place. So If you're interested, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. To get started and what did the vendor do to try to salvage the relationship well
1: remember that comment that clinical term you used earlier <laughs> you <said> BS? <laughs>
0: so they, they
1: gave they gave us an education first the bs then the ms which is more of the same and then the phd
0: which is piled high and deep so
2: <laughs> it's quite an
0: education. <laughs> Hey, everybody, this is Mark P. Fisher with Inspiring Growth, where we share stories of struggle that have led to growth. Thanks for joining us today. And in the studios, via Zoom, I have the executive leadership team from Safe Harbor Counseling. Now, I've known Eric Sunquist for years upon years upon years, and we've done lots of fun and difficult things together. But here's the backstory. All of us... We're at the Global Leadership Summit, GLS, hosted at Mountain Christian Church in Bel Air, Joppa, Maryland, a few weeks ago. And uh, Eric's team invited me to go to lunch. And, you know, pff, Eric was paying, so I'm all in. And uh, so we have this delicious lunch, and Eric begins to unfold this story that had nearly bankrupted Safe Harbor. And I was fascinated to watch and listen and to ask questions. And at the end, I thought, I feel like you, my listeners, would appreciate this story of struggle that's led to growth. And it really is a story that nearly bankrupted a nearly 20-year-old organization. So on the podcast today, we have the founder of Safe Harbor, Eric Sunquist. Say hi to everybody, Eric. Hello.
1: Everybody, great to oh. be with you all.
0: We have Angie Ryan. Angie is the executive director. Can you say a quick hi, Angie? Hey everybody. And we have Shay. Shay takes care of billing. What's up, Shay? Hey everyone. And Nicole, Nicole is on the line. Nicole, uh, remind me again your responsibility?
3: I'm the operations director here at Safe Harbor.
0: Eric, why in the world does Safe Harbor exist? Tell our listeners a little bit about your mission and vision
1: to make an eternal impact by bringing hope and healing wherever brokenness exists, by providing clinically excellent, holistic mental health services. I mean, in a nutshell, that's why we exist. And really that's just saying that we wanna make a lasting impact by embracing broken people and providing the most clinically excellent service that we can. Different core values we have to do that, like positivity, providing superior customer service, teamwork is critical. And we'll get into that in a little bit with our recent scenario that played out. Um, our teamwork was really what saved us in that um, culture of learning and excellence. So that, those are the values that it's built upon in order to change those lives and, and help to heal brokenness.
0: So it's a counseling service. Your clients come to you face-to-face or they can do it by video. And you're available in how many states?
1: We're in eight states right now. Maryland, Delaware, Virginia, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, North Carolina, Washington, D.C., Georgia.
0: Each of you share a story of a client struggle. Obviously, you're going to keep their um, anonymity intact, but share, share a couple of stories of client struggles that have led to growth as a result of your counseling. Angie, why don't we start with you?
2: We have a new relationship with a hospital in Carroll County, and um, we actually had a response from one of our contacts there about a a client. She had called on behalf of the client, with the client on the phone as the client was suicidal, very emotional, and she had wanted to see if she could coordinate care for the client. What was great about it, the team pulled together together. one of our intake managers at the time, she had um, worked specifically to schedule the client with a therapist, but also with one of our MPs who offers med management.
0: MP stands for?
2: Nurse practitioner, psychiatric nurse practitioner who offers med management as well. And so what was wonderful is, you know, we we hear the front end of the situation most times, but we don't get to hear how the client is doing after getting into our services unless we get testimonies and or um, responses from our contacts or the client calls in. And so the contact at the hospital actually just let us know that the, the client who is in therapy and offering and also in med management, she is thriving. She's actually, working with both clinicians and um, following the, the treatment plan that's been put in place with her. And not only in her speech and how she's talking, but in her countenance, it's completely changed. So it's really amazing to hear and see um, you know, the work that we do here at Safe Harbor, how it does ultimately change someone's life. And, and we're all a part of that process, whether we are on the phone answering the client's call, or we're processing claims um, on behalf of the client, or we're in the counseling room with the client. We're all a, a vital part of that process, which is a beautiful thing.
0: Such a good story. So the hospitals are now realizing that you're a, a partner and a resource, they're calling you and you're jumping in. Absolutely. That's great. How about you, Nicole?
3: I have a story about a woman. She's kind of close to my age um, she was really struggling with a lot of anxiety issues in her marriage she had some challenges with a recent passing of a relative and just hearing her story of going through her counseling and how much she just absolutely loves her sessions she looks forward to them every week and is just so thankful to see the growth that she has had ever since starting her sessions it's incredible to hear where she started out and to kind of see where she is now and walking so closely through that story that she has just grown so much. Um, Mm. I know that's not very long and elaborate, but, and Mm. I can't go into a lot of details obviously, but the growth is just incredible coming from where she was.
0: Any idea how long she has engaged in the counseling? About
3: a year in at this point.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Inspiring Growth listeners, one of the things that I appreciate about what Safe Harbor does is they're ready and available to jump in and be in the space that you need them to be in. Over the course of my 57 years of life, I have been in multiple counseling sessions, and I have found that when I am able to trust somebody, share what's really going on, and allow somebody to ask me questions, uh, it sometimes I don't even know what I'm thinking until someone asks me a question. And I find that counseling can be one of those great tools on our journey to help us toward healing and hope. I had a counselor one time, he called out my BS so stinking fast that I was like, I like this guy. I hate this guy. And, and that, so sometimes sometimes it's a love-hate relationship, right?
2: <laughs> yes. What's nice about our team is a lot of people on that work at Safe Harbor have gone through counseling themselves, have struggled through situations. So the empathy that we're able to feel for our clients and the support that we're able to give to our counselors it's from a personal, you know, mm. personal background there.
0: Now this I'm going to put you on the spot, but it feels like as I have gotten to know professional counselors over the course of my lifetime there's usually a trigger event in the counselor's life that was pretty significant, maybe even traumatic, that actually put them on a path towards studying and getting certified and becoming a counselor. Is that an oversimplification uh, of of the majority of counselors? Am I seeing this only through a lens of a few people? T- tell me whether that's accurate or not.
1: Uh, I think this is a great insight, Mark. I'd say over the overwhelming majority of our counselors, that's the case. And I know for me personally, I grew up in a home where I was the only boy and the youngest of four kids by four years. And when you're a little kid, the next sibling up being four years older, is that's a huge gap. So I spent a lot of my childhood being alone and Mm -hmm. observing, listening. And that was kind of the impetus that really, um, I realized, hey, I could make a living at this being an observer and a listener <laughs> you know and that, that kind of you know and there were there were um, good things and wounds that went along with that but mm. i think it all kind of flowed out of start that starting point of mm. that situation you know
0: well and it's interesting i would i would affirm you're a, a very good observer and listener but you also have a gift of curiosity he can ask some questions that that get to the heart of stuff
4: all right shay do you do you have a story we had a lady who called into our billing department, and she was actually on the line with the Care First representative, and she was um, making claims about suicide, and she was very distraught at the time. And the reason why she couldn't be seen by a nurse practitioner at Safe Harbor was because she had a balance. Um, so we were able to, the representative was able to get me on the line with the lady. We were able to work out an arrangement to take care of the balance. It was, it was small. It wasn't, it wasn't even a big deal. It was nothing that we couldn't work around. So it was something super simple that I was able to take care of right away. But the issue was that she needed to see someone and she needed to see someone now. And we weren't sure if we were gonna be able to make that happen. So I'm at someone's desk. I'm talking on the phone with this lady. We're trying to talk her down. The Care First representative is talking to her as well. Um, we're saying, you know, maybe you should go to the hospital. And while all of this is going on, the, one of the other ladies that are with me Um, the billing reps, they're also reaching out to our intake department to see if we could reach out to a nurse practitioner to see if we can get her scheduled all while I'm having a conversation with her. So we were able to actually get her uh, payment arrangement set up. We were able to calm her down and we were able to set up a meeting with her nurse practitioner within the hour. So she was able to have a video um, counseling session with her counselor and we were able to later on find out that, you know, she's, she's doing well. She's still being seen and everything is going well in her life. And it was because we were all able to come together and come together very quickly to make sure we could make that happen for her.
0: So for me, as I listen to that story, Shay, it reminds me people over policy. I mean, how many times have you hit the the brick wall of somebody going, well, our policy is... And yeah, listen, I get it. Policies guide and direct and keep things from getting chaotic. But thank you for sharing a story where a person was work through policy quickly. And that's the kind of team that you want to have around you, right? I would
1: say, too, on that people over policy thing, we are so blessed to have people that get that. That's really a core value of ours that fits in with the previous ones. We were just in our leadership meeting yesterday, dissecting a quote from a, it was from the CEO of a world-famous coffee company. And they said, we're in the people business serving coffee not in the coffee business serving people. And so Mm. as we dissected that, we just came up with multiple examples of how that same principle plays out in our company, that we're in the people business delivering a mental health service.
0: What's interesting is before you dissected it, your team already was practicing it. Correct. Yep. It's like Gary V for those of you who listen to the Gary V podcast or he he has this insight he talks a, a lot about the idea that our culture within the organization is like the operating system of of the organization. It's it's how you behave. It's like iOS or it's like Windows and that's who you are and how you are. Everything else is an app. Billing is an app video counseling is an app, you you know, face-to-face counseling, all of those are kind of apps, but it's the operating system that matters, which is a great, great example that you guys just illustrated there. Eric, how about you? Any stories of struggle that have led to growth and don't share mine? (laughs) (laughs) Darn, you
1: you just stole my thunder. Although, I will say I'm impressed at your command of mental health lingo, talking about mental health lingo like BS.
0: (laughs) Hey, man. I know that's a master's degree language right there. I can assure you those initials were not used.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I take an occasional case. And a number of years ago, there um, was a time I, I had started not really taking cases and had really whittled my own caseload down. But I became aware of a situation where there was a teenage girl who really had a family characterized by instability and even abuse. And when you add to that, she had grown up in a cult. And then you add to that, that she was attracted to friends and boyfriends that were drug addicts. And then the, it was a situation of trauma upon trauma. And so I felt compelled to take her on and, and really um, engage with her around those issues. And so the um, level of trauma that she had gone through is just astounding um, had several deaths of people that she knew from um, everything from drug overdoses to accidents um, like automobile accidents. Um, I mean, we're talking five, six people, not just one or two people mm-hmm. close to her um, abuse, um, just deep seated spiritual abuse, having grown up in a cult and her life was in utter chaos and train wreck. And this took a period of years and she would float in and out of therapy. I remember the very first session that she came in, she cried through like three quarters of the session. I mean, she just cried. I I just sat there and supported her while she just cried and cried and cried. And then eventually we were able to get to doing therapy on some of the issues, but at first she just needed to grieve. And then fast forward um, over a course of about eight years of you know, being seen for a few months, maybe take a few months or a year off. Um, She has gotten married, graduated from uh, college, uh, mainly on her own with very little support. Um, She's uh, working as an addictions counselor um, now with her bachelor's degree and getting further education in that. And just, there's still things to work through, but the, the ground behind her is just you know she's covered so much ground to come so far and there's still more to go, but I really think the um, resilience, the courage, the tenacity, the grit, and the hard work that she embodied and and I mean even in the midst of all that too you can imagine you're asking where's God and all of this and she really didn't have a spiritual life and she's involved in a great church now and. Um, her relationship with God is central in her life. And it's just uh, the, the word you know that comes to mind is restoration. I'm just watching over a period of years. It's not overnight watching restoration happen by God in her life.
0: Yeah,
1: it's hear. really an honor to be with people. My job has been to be with her and believe in her. And I think one of the key moments a couple of years ago through tears, she said, you know, there's two people in my life who believe in me wholeheartedly, you know, and I was one of those too. And that was a real honor that she would say that. But I realized when she said that, that being present emotionally and believing in her, that that that's, those were the biggest things I did. It wasn't all this knowledge I gained in all these books and, you know, smart people I hang around and all that. It was being emotionally present and really believing in her.
0: I think one of the things I hear as a thread to your stories is that restoration and change doesn't happen instantly the problems that contributed to the trauma the depression the suicide the abuse those took years to develop so the solution isn't going to be you know one or two or three sessions it's going to be time and someone that will sit and be present which is a gift and i'm grateful for what you guys do in the world which is awesome Hey, as we take a break right now to thank our sponsors, I'd like you actually to pause. I want to invite you to consider the inspiring core values that Safe Harbor articulated, that they live by. Did you hear them? You know, as a leader, do you have a clear mission, a real life set of guiding principles in your organization, not something on paper, but in the hearts of your team, if not I hope Eric's team inspires you to grow your influence and really your bottom line with a clear mission and a finely tuned set of core values. Now, I'd like to thank our inspiring growth sponsor, an organization near and dear to my heart. It's called Sandy Cove. Sandy Cove is a beautiful Over 200-acre property with a 152-room lodge, it sits majestically on the headwaters of the Chesapeake Bay. It's great for families and youth and church groups. And if you'd like to discover the six reasons why church leaders love to retreat at Sandy Cove, go to sandycove.org, that's sandycove.org, and click on the tab, Bring a Group. Now, if you're a meeting planner and you go online or you call and you mention Inspiring Growth, you'll receive a free bed and breakfast night at Sandy Cove. Maybe you need a little time away. If you'd rather call, just dial 800-234-COVE. That's 800-234-COVE. And be sure you ask for Karen. Now, let's jump back into our fascinating conversation with the leaders of Safe Harbor Counseling. Thank you for sharing your stories. What I'd like to do is turn a corner because, you know, if you think about it, when we do our work, whatever the work is, whatever the vision is, whatever the mission is, there are always a list of business things in the background that have to be done. And you made a decision to switch your digital payment platform and it nearly bankrupted you. Why were you in the market, Eric, to change to a different platform?
1: Well, as our organization's grown, our desire, I mean, I'd read earlier that one of our core values is excellence. And so our needs and opportunities have changed as times gone by and we've grown. And so there were some limitations in our current system that we were using. And we found another system that had a lot more capacity to run metrics and reports and just really help us take a deeper dive in analyzing um, what we do. I mean, these these people are people. They're humans, but on the business side, there's a lot of numbers <laughs> you know, to crunch. There's stories behind every one of those numbers, but there's still numbers there. And this other system really would help us analyze that data and just make better decisions that would affect people's lives for the better.
0: Mm-hmm. So I open it up to all of you. When did you know you were in trouble? What was it that you, you you so you you had you had an existing system you changed platforms over a period of time and then all of a sudden something broke some some red light something started flashing who noticed it what did you notice
2: so our our go live date with the system was may 20th mm-hmm. and you know you always have to account we we are not a small practice we have tens of thousands of sessions and data um, that we need to transfer over to a new system. so we were in the works months before working on transitioning the data. but then you need to learn the system. So our our timeframe was like three to six months to really get the system down and, and recognizing that each department, our intake, our our billing, credentialing, bookkeeping all had their own dynamic of the system that they had to learn specifically. So, you know, thinking the time frame of three to six months to learn it, to feel comfortable in it and grow. Um, plus, you know, all of our counselors are remote. So we're entrusting, you know, the data to them and the instructions to them and training videos and hoping that they're grasping. So there's a huge learning curve on all sides. So we, we felt pretty comfortable with three months knowing that we were in the system. We're projecting three months to be in the system, to learn it, to feel comfortable. Well, May 20th was our go live date. And I think we had the meeting on July 11th that said, we have to go back. <laughs> it was that. How
0: many days? How many days from go live to yikes?
2: It was about a month and a half. maybe. I mean, we were recognizing things were wrong immediately, but the, the support team with the new system was there to resolve the issues. So you're, you know, you're trying to reconcile in your head. It's a new system. There's gonna be little glitches. You have to resolve the little glitches and and continue to learn the system because it's so big and we're so big. So you're trying to reconcile all of these you know, items to make it work. Um, so there was complaints from counselors and directors and staff, and we're appeasing them to say, but we're still learning the system. We're still learning the system. And then it just progressively got larger, I guess, wouldn't you say, Nicole? Absolutely. Yeah. The challenge too is that
3: as those glitches and things were happening, um, our volume was growing larger by the mm-hmm. day as well. Um, so, you know, coupled with the change and this huge transition of our, you know, huge amount of, you know, data our volume was continuing to grow. And so it was becoming a mountain that, you know, we were not going to be able to scale much, much longer. It was huge.
1: Just for clarity's sake, the issue really was that claims very few insurance claims went out over. We had about mm-hmm. eight weeks of no claims going out total. And along with that, no credit cards were charged for copays and deductibles and out of pocket clients because the mm-hmm. system Um, had the glitches that weren't allowing that. So you can imagine what that would Mm -hmm. do to our cash flow.
0: Oh my gosh. Two months of no money coming in. Uh, Shay, what did you notice?
4: Immediately we noticed a couple of little issues and like Nicole and Angie were explaining, they were appeasing us. They were giving us solutions. Okay, we can work on that. We can fix that. But then um, the biggest red flag to me was I said I had to come to Angie and Eric and say, our claims are not being submitted. Um, it says in the system that they're being submitted, but when I'm looking at the portal, when I'm going in and I'm doing my research, these claims are not going through to the insurance company. They're not going through the through to the insurance company. We we're not going to be paid. Two
0: months of no payment.
4: Pretty much. Pretty much. Pretty much. So Eric, uh,
0: you're a business guy. All those men and women that are business owners, small, medium, large. Did you have enough cash flow reserve to to? support yourself and then did you just did you have to go to the bank or get a line of credit what what did you do to pay bills
1: well the positive side was we were in a stronger place financially than we had ever been in okay. our 24 year history and so we had that cash reserve to fall back on the a little bit scary thing was we had we were in the process of buying two office condos that required large down payments mm. for and so we use some of a line of credit temporarily for those. Sett- we still went to settlement twice in two months on two different properties that are counseling sites for us. And then I also, in the meantime, with the banker for those projects, um, secured a very large line of credit that would really only get us through for another month. So we had a month buffer because all the payroll for the counselors, the office staff, All our other overhead, you know, the line of credit was a large line of credit that she gave us, but it really would only cover bills for one month. We Mm. didn't have to dip into that. We somehow made all the payrolls and now all the money is starting to come in.
0: And what did the vendor do to try to salvage the relationship?
1: Well, remember that comment, that clinical term you used earlier when you said BS?
0: <laughs> so they,
1: they, gave, they gave us an education, first the BS, then the MS, which is more of the same, and then the PhD, which is piled high and deep. So
2: <laughs> it was quite an education.
0: Oh, Lord, that is
1: uh, they so They just good. told us what we wanted to hear. Oh, it'll be okay. Oh, we can do this. Oh, we're on top of yeah. it, but, but nothing right.
0: changed. <laughs> they weren't writing checks for you to cover what's not coming in. I even almost felt like
3: towards the end, they were, you know, kind of, you know, trying to make us feel guilty for things that they were putting in place and purchasing um, for our account specifically, even though that's something we didn't ask them to do. But I, I was kind of getting that sense of, you know, this guilt,
0: uh, you know, kind of. It was very odd. How did the crisis? affect your team? Angie, I know you were leading the team, what, what what did you see? How did it affect your team?
2: It was pretty um, enlightening to see how the team responded. One thing, it, it, before the transition, there was a lot of manual work that we had to do. And mm. then we go our go live date happens, and there's still a lot of manual work to be done. And then we decide we need to go back. So there's a lot of manual work to be done. Um, And so what I saw in the team was just amazing resilience and commitment to excellence. That core value of excellence shone brightly in our team throughout this whole transition. There were times where we all were emotionally drained and we just needed to release it. Um, There are many of meetings that (laughs) <laughs> the managers were in tears, um, mm. just having a moment. Um, there were times when our staff was, you know, just overwhelmed. But we tried to continue to communicate that our expectation is just do the best you can. We know it's overwhelming. We know it's something that we can't, you know, we can't fix overnight. But we just can do the best we can. And the um, the overwhelming sense of wanting things to be right and wanting things to be you know f- f- complete and and the commitment from the team to helping continuing to help each other and our clients and to hear our team members on the phone with clients and apologizing for the for the disruption of you know in, in their claims processing and processing credit cards and yeah, just really relating with the client and taking the time to talk to them was a beautiful thing. I mean, it was amazing. I in our leadership meeting yesterday, I just it was an honor. I was telling telling our managers it was such a, an enlightening experience to see the level of commitment from our team members. It was just a, a really exceptional time, and the team rose up. So there were times where you know we would have to balance each other out because someone was strong and someone was having a moment and whatever the case may be. But the team rose up. And I think what we've invested in our staff actually started to to pull some returns um, because they were willing to do whatever uh, wh- whatever needed to be done, which that is, that is a really unique quality about people uh, mm-hmm. that work at Safe Harbor.
1: Mm. So Mark, the foundation was there to begin with, not just financially, Mm -hmm. but if I could just brag on Angie, Nicole, Shay, and our other managers, was what they've invested in our people and these core values they've lived out for years. Um, We had equity there with our people. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: when the time came and we needed people all hands on deck, um, the equity was there. The morale is there. And I can say that coming out the other side of it, our morale is higher now than it was before this happened three months ago, mm-hmm. because people have a sense of, okay, game one, we're going to pull together. We're going to get this done. And they did. Mm-hmm. They, they did. Our intake team had to stop setting up new clients and just be entering people manually back into our old system. I mean, the list goes on and on, but they did it. And they're all in amazement of what was accomplished. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, folks, if there's one thing I'm hearing from you, and that is to try to keep the podcast under 30 minutes, 30 to 33 minutes. So I'm going to pause our conversation here by saying this is part one of a two-part conversation with Safe Harbor. On the next episode, we'll talk about how Safe Harbor built a team and culture that could withstand a crisis and struggle like you heard today and come out stronger. If I'm a business owner, I'm a leader in an organization and I have a core value of excellence. How do you how do you train your team to be excellence? Create crisis? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you hire to it? Do you is it a part of your hiring process that you get to know them, you go, this person has illustrations of excellence within their work. Unpack that a little bit for us. Hey, I want to thank Sandy Cove for sponsoring this episode of Inspiring Growth. If you are a meeting planner for a group retreat or conference and you'd like to discover the six reasons why church leaders love to retreat at Sandy Cove, go to sandycove.org and click on the tab, Bring a Group. And if you are a meeting planner and you mention Inspiring Growth, you'll receive a free bed and breakfast gift certificate. So go to sandycove.org or dial 800-234-COVE. That's 800-234-C-O-V-E. Be sure you ask for Karen. And thanks to Dylan Garvin uh, with with my Studio D production. They, Dylan and his team edit today's podcast, and now you can see a transcript of the podcast in the show notes. You can check that out. And if you like the podcast... Would you take a moment and like or subscribe or share or rate Inspiring Growth? I am super grateful for the five star rating on iTunes from over 200 folks just like you. So thank you. And finally, friend, if you want to grow in your connection with others, be kind, be present, and ask good questions. I'm Mark B. Fisher. Inspiring Growth with Leaders and their brands. If you're interested to find out more about what we do, you can go to inspiringgrowth.biz and check out all the free stuff we offer.